This is Foreign Founders, a Chibit podcast. My name is Lucy, and uh, I met Andy in the Antler Austin Accelerator seven weeks ago. Um, and uh, yeah, I come from the Czech Republic, and um, and then I lived for seven years in London before I moved to the US. Um, and the reason why I wanted to join Antler and Antler Austin specifically is because I think the US is still where dreams come true, right? It's uh, it's still one of the largest markets out there with 330 million people. Uh, the access to capital is uh, much easier compared to Europe or uh, parts of Asia. And the terms uh, are also much better compared to other countries. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you want to go into startups, uh, the the easiest market to enter is the US for sure. Uh, so that's what brought me to Austin. What was so different about uh, London in the seven years that you were there compared to Austin? Uh, you mean in terms of startups? Yeah, in start, terms of the startup scene, I'm I'm curious. Even the term, like when you were saying terms, what were the difference that you saw that the U.S. offered, um, where other places might not have been as strong? What were some of the um, examples? Um, so I wasn't personally trying to raise capital in Europe, but but from my friends, I know that yeah. uh, investors are more risk averse. Uh, they're looking for a lot of traction and, you know, revenue before they go on to invest. Um, and, uh, you know, in comparison, in the US, you can raise 150k at 7%. Um, in Europe, you would raise 150k at like 20%. So it's a different, um, yeah, yeah dif- different, different uh, risk tolerance, for sure. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I think in terms of industry, especially London is focused on fintech, um, right? Where do you think that appetite for risk come, comes from? Like people who are putting capital, they just have different backgrounds, different industries, different history, or like, I, what, what do you think that it was? Yeah, totally. I think investors in London are mostly uh, former bankers, um, people in finance, you know, former traders and so on. And I think in the US, uh, uh, investors are people who have founded startups themselves in the past, right? Um, so the tech mm-hmm. scene, you know, people who exited from Google, from Microsoft, from Apple, like those are the angel investors in the US market and, and they know how difficult it is to get a company started. And uh, yeah, their risk appetite is different. Um, so I think in London, you know, people who invest are not necessarily people who were founders themselves. I think in the U.S. you see that much more often. Yeah, and that actually makes a lot of sense when you're saying, oh, London is the finance capital of Europe, and then therefore there's a lot of people who are investing. They look at their traditional background, which is like banking, and then it's like usually it's bigger banks that's involved with that. It totally makes sense. Yeah, even... Even if you look at Antler as a as a venture capital fund and the different locations that they're in, uh, in London, I think the average age of a founder is like 40, 40 mm. something, uh, right? Uh, so they take in people who are much more experienced and you can see the, the risk aversion there versus, versus in the US, right? Our batch, like the average age was like 22. I know. And it was so much fun. And then that's a good segue into just like, what are you 
founding? What is your company, the product? Who are you addressing? Sure. Uh, so I'm building uh, a constituent engagement platform that facilitates uh, small group discussions around political events. Um, and the problem I'm addressing is political polarization. Uh, I think you, you understand why I'm looking into the US market, right? Where uh, there's been a 400% increase in uh, people strongly disliking the other side in the past two decades. 90% of people think polarization is a significant threat to America's democracy, right? So, so the problem is really large. And uh, I think uh, a tech platform is part of the solution. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm working with different bridge building communities uh, who are organizing discussions between people who have different perspectives. And I want to get them uh, on, mm -hmm. on my platform to have these conversations and eventually engage with politicians in these small groups and show the world that it's possible to find a consensus, right? We can talk with people who disagree with us. It's okay. And uh, highlight nuance that, that is not shown in, in the media world currently. And uh, we talked about this before, but you said, you know, you said tech is the solution, but I know from you, like tech uh, is also the big, big issue that like kind of put fuel to the fire on this polarization, right? Um, can you talk a little bit more about where we went wrong in the last two decades in terms of getting to this point today? Right. I forgot to add tech with the right design and incentives is the solution, right? Not any tech. Um, but yeah, obviously the, the problem was the business model uh, that was started by I think Google, you know, in, in, in the late 90s where uh, you're trying to increase people's engagement on the platform and you do that through uh, making them angry and outrageous. Um, and, uh, and that's, definitely wrong right it's not good for the world for democracy for people's mental health so what i want to do i want to increase the quality of conversations people have on the platform um mm -hmm. not necessarily engagement and and my business model and the design of the platform will incentivize people to talk in small groups uh, allowing everyone to participate everyone to ask questions um uh, and allowing for a balanced conversation to take place right and there would be incentives to make people more civil and respectful of each other. Um, and the fact that these conversations are private will make people feel safe and, uh, and hopefully will, will increase uh, people's openness um, in these conversations. And from the uh, like results, what have you seen so far with this? Like, what is the right size? What, um, when you said people feel safe, is it safety from like getting their like identity and like thinking shared or what's the safety around that? Yeah, so I think the ideal size is around five people, right? Four to six. And this has been proven in a lot of research studies and all these bridge building communities that I've been working with have proved this. Um, and uh, in terms of, you know, feeling safe, Currently, when you post anything on Twitter or Reddit, anyone could react to mm -hmm. it. Anyone could harass you or troll you. It's not a safe place to have an actual back and forth conversation. And I also think that Twitter is more for statements or announcements. It's a one-way communication, right? It's not a place where you would actually engage on a deeper level 
with with someone um so when i when i say feeling safe you want to control who you speak with right yeah. you want to control who you have a conversation with and you want to know who that person is um so that that's one aspect and second aspect is allowing people to discuss in a private manner right where you discuss uh safely without other people seeing what you're saying but you can also have the option to discuss in these small groups of up to five people on a you know public platform so making mm -hmm. the conversation visible to mm -hmm. to the public that's very cool i <laughs> that's cool because uh i had a first hand experience of these like small conversations and it was really awesome to be in a place where people were just like open to different ideas and just letting not necessarily like okay with them being wrong but okay with discovering new things and i think that's always the first step to just better understanding. That, that was really cool. Um, and I mean, you, you went to the discussion event, right? Four weeks ago. Yeah, so exactly. You, yeah, you experienced it firsthand. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, why did you decide initially to build this for, let's say, maybe it's not only US audience, but when you're thinking about this, did you have uh, US focus in mind and why? So eventually, I, I want this to be global, but the, the target market is US at first. Um, it's the low-hanging fruit for us, right? The problem is the most pressing in the US. The fact that you only have two parties um, is, uh, is, is part of the issue. Um, and uh, I think uh, the most people uh, realize that the problem is there in the US, um, right? 90% of people know mm -hmm. that polarization is really bad and it's getting worse and they want to actively do something about it. Um, so yeah, using all these people, leveraging uh, their, um, uh, you know, tendency to, uh, or need to solve this problem is, is uh, why I chose US. Yeah, I wonder, I always wonder like what it looks like from the outside. It's like the people <laughs> in Europe or like Czech Republic, like, they're like, oh my gosh, US is so crazy with this like polarization. Yeah, yeah, I think pretty much. The nod that... says yes. <laughs> um, yeah, like like in the Czech Republic, we have seven parties in parliament, right? Um, so it definitely yeah. is uh, the two party system is is not ideal. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, but I believe I believe we could do a lot about it, and and we could um, do a lot to fix it. And are there anything that, like, as you're building this, realize the perspective that you're bringing in, um, like, maybe not growing up in the U.S., but, like, really helpful for you to discover this problem and the solution set? Uh, yeah, I think um, in America, a lot of people take democracy for granted, Um and, uh, you know, they, they've always lived in democracy. Their parents always lived in democracy. In Europe, it's different, right? Like only 30 years ago, there was communism and uh, the Soviet Union. Um, and uh, people were not free to speak their minds. And, uh, and so I think for us and, and for our generations, it's uh, democracy is something to be cherished. And, and we understand what it feels like to not have it. And and I think we, we actively want to uh, take part in, in preserving it. So 
I want to bring this sense of urgency to the U.S. and uh, and yeah, help people understand mm-hmm. that it it's not going to last forever if we don't do if we don't actively try to preserve it. I feel like it's always an house on fire situation every time I'm on social media and like things like that. Where and I think that pers- what I really like about I'm just going to dub it like foreign founders, but people who are um, like both of us didn't grow up here, um, but, you know, have see some sort of like ideal to strive towards was like one of the things that's super important is like these things that we have in a certain place, ideas or like um, are it's, it takes work to keep, um, keep that as a status quo. And I think what you said about the um, people take it for granted, I see it everywhere. <laughs> um, and I think these conversations are like these, uh, you know, the platform that you're building, the company that you're building is like super important to keep that uh, conversation in the forefront. So we don't forget, we don't lose touch of that because once we do, it's like, it's easy to lose it. 100%, yeah. Complacency is a big issue. Um, and I think also the the way the U.S. sees immigration should be fixed. Um, I think immigration has become sort of a, a pejorative where people associated with illegal immigration, especially from Central America. Um, but uh, immigration is also, you know, movement of people from countries that you know, uh, have uh, high-skilled engineers who are looking yeah. for work opportunities and uh, and would add a lot of value to the U.S. market, right? And and so we should let these people in uh, without issues. And, and right now the U.S. immigration system is so difficult and full of bureaucracy um, and uh, it's not benefiting the U.S. at all. Yeah. So. Hundred percent agree. That's something that I'm hoping I can learn more about. Is just like how it all works and like what what we can fix. But I totally agree. It's like even when you think about people who I, I was like reading stats, people who want to go to different countries um, to start a company or like build, you know, um, build something. U.S. has always been top, but slowly and slowly, it's like becoming less and less so um that's a hard thing to win back like trust that's like the same thing as you know you, it takes so long to build trust and then really quick to lose that's exactly the same yeah yeah um i can i guess we can take this to two two different ways what do you miss about working out in austin for a little bit or um when you were in austin what do you miss about europe <laughs> Um, so what I miss about Austin, I think you can fill the gap there. <laughs> uh, I miss you and everyone from the Alpha community. It's been such a great experience. Um, so yeah, the, the main value out of the accelerator was the people that I met and the founders. And, uh, we learned, I think we learned so much from each other. Um, I really miss that. And yeah, it was definitely one of the best six weeks of my life. Um, and, uh, and uh, in terms of what I miss from Europe, um, I don't know. I think part of the culture, uh, I, f- I feel in America, it's sometimes difficult to speak directly. Um, 
right? Like in Europe, especially in Eastern Europe, we're used to being blunt and being very direct with people and we don't get offended easily. Um, in the US, I feel you have to be a little bit more careful as to what you say because people get offended. People are more sensitive. Um, so that's that's one thing. Uh, and the food, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> you need to come to New York. I, I will. Here. <laughs> I will. Just, you know, I get my visa and I'll be there. Yeah. I'm really excited um, to have you visit and stay, hopefully. I've been trying to sell New York to everyone and they're like, eh, I don't know about that. But I know you will love it. <laughs> I'll see you in the um, next batch in October. Yeah, see you in the next batch. Uh, last, last question for me. It's, uh, yeah, we talked about all this. I think the problem that you're tackling, polarization, can get you get people down, um, but what are, what are you most hopeful for? Um, that could be anything from going back to building in a different company, uh, country to the problem that you're solving for. Yeah. So I'm hopeful that, um, the U S immigration system is going to make it easier for startup founders and entrepreneurs to access the market. Um, and uh, I think there's been a few proposals already in the pipeline that are trying to um, incentivize people to be building companies for the US market. Um, and I'm also mm -hmm. hopeful that people will uh, start talking to the other side, right? And, and uh, people will start appreciating disagreements and different viewpoints, right? Because that's the only way how we can move forward through talking with people who feel differently and finding rough consensus that would allow us to find solutions to problems. Um, and so if we can do that, I think it's, it's a, it would be a huge win for, for America and other countries. Um, and I'm hopeful that politicians will find value in consensus building and, uh, and uh, there's a lot of economic value trapped, right? Uh, without consensus, you can't really move forward. So let's go and let's find it. Love it. I feel like that's the perfect place to leave it. <laughs>